0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. It is Wednesday, March 11th. My goodness, the time flies by when you're having fun. And uh, we're going to have fun on a mailbag podcast soon, so hurry up and get your five-star reviews in if you want to uh, ask us anything about free agency. That's coming up next week. The timing for all of this has changed, uh, and we're going to talk about that today talk about the new NFLPA president, some other news and notes around the league and then we'll rank free agent wide receivers here to do that with me. Great friend of the program, Jonathan Jones, JJ, what's going on, buddy? Uh
1: hello. I'm doing well. How are you Will?
0: I'm doing excellent. I am curious, do you
1: think that not
0: not to derail the show out of the gates, you know sort of what I do,
1: but <laughs> but um, not to derail it out of the gate.
0: Well, no, but like short like so we're recording this at one o'clock on Tuesday. And I spent from like 12 to 1230 watching the governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, uh, give a press conference in which he declared a state of emergency in the state of North Carolina uh, for the coronavirus. There is basically a case of Corona about a mile north of my house and a case of Corona about a mile south of my house. I'm surrounded. I should just run west to my parents and hide out on their their farm. You know, we just sit, we can just sit in the panic room and head out of the farm. But, um, you know, at this point, I feel like I'm probably too close. My dad might not even let me on because I'm too, too close to a, an infected case. Do you think that Corona is going to, what do you think, how do you think it's going to impact the NFL offseason in terms of we have the, uh, I mean, look, we have a, are, are the owners all going to get together? Cause in theory, all the NFL owners are actually kind of in that group of people well, who, could be affected by the, the disease. Like, are they going to want to hang out with a bunch of media members? And, yeah, I mean, um.
1: Right. Like, jokes aside, like, they're the, what, the majority of owners are somewhere near the majority, the plurality, certainly, of NFL I, owners. I,
0: I'm, I'm dead serious. I mean, they are, right. they are. Our senior they are, citizens. Absolutely.
1: And so, yeah, they, they're obviously, uh, in, in one of the groups that we continue to hear about are, are among the most vulnerable. I'll say this right now, as of earlier this morning, uh, the the owners meeting is still on. Uh, there have been no changes. In fact, uh, the NFL, uh, as recently in the past five or so days, even changed the media hotel from one hotel to the other. So, like, logistically, they are continuing to plan for this. Of course, they are monitoring the situation. They're speaking to all of the health organizations that they should. Um, but it is still at the end of the month, number one. And so they have time, uh, and they do not have to lead the charge on this, right? This is not the middle of September where, hey, we have to figure this out. That's the next thing that's really on the calendar where there is a group uh, getting together, and that's at, it's at the end of the month. So that's number one. Number two, if this owner's meeting uh, – this owner's meeting can absolutely be handled in a conference call on a secure line. It does not have to happen uh, in in real life. Um, and and so because of that, and because everyone involved here is rich and because they can just back out of this and it really ultimately will not change anything. They don't have to make this call in my opinion until like the week of, um, and so if it comes down, I think the, the start date is March 29th, which is on a Sunday. Like they don't have to make a call until Wednesday or Thursday leading up to that. Now. Would it screw over all of the media that's going to go there with non-refundable flights? Except, yeah, but <laughs> when, when has anyone ever cared about the media?
0: Right, exactly. And it's like, you know, it's flights. And it's not like it's coming out of the pockets of the individuals who are going down there for the most part. Plus, one other factor in this, and like I am not putting my science hat on here. I'm just throwing this out there because it is a question being asked of people uh, in charge of stuff. Is it possible that warmer weather could prevent Coronavirus from spreading aggressively, as in once it get, you know, like because that's typically what happens with the flu. You know, once you get into March, April, and May, depending on where you live, flu season wraps up. Maybe if they're in Florida, if you're not was worried about it. But I, if I am a seventy year old seventy year old billionaire, I am not going to a big conference with a bunch of people from all over the country voluntarily. In fact, yeah, I'm, no. I'm like, hey, listen, uh, we'll do this on the video teleconference. In fact, I might just fly my jet around until the coronavirus is gone.
1: Uh, well, I, I appreciate the warmer weather thing, but like, you're only there for what, 72 hours? Right. And so like, I don't know if it's just gonna die, uh, the virus is gonna die because it's 72 degrees <laughs> or, or, or more, you know? But then also, yeah, these owners are also extremely proud, right? There's a lot of pride involved here. And so I can't imagine that someone would, would miss out on this and then publicly would be like, no, nah, I'm scared of getting that virus, but y'all can go do that. Like <laughs> I, like they're going to force the NFL who let's not forget Roger Goodell works for the owners and not the other way around. And so they're all going to get together and let him know exactly what he needs to do. So I will not at all be surprised if this turns into just a teleconference. Um, but yeah, they don't have to make that call for another couple of weeks.
0: That's true. And same thing with the draft, not to belabor the point, but like if I was, a, if, all right, let's say you're chase young, right. And, uh, I actually don't know where chase young is from. I'm not going to blindly assume that he lives in Alabama. He is, uh, oh, he's from Maryland. Okay. So you're chase young or Ohio state. Why do you live in Alabama? Um, I don't know why I thought he went to
1: Alabama. I don't know
0: either. Yeah. Top prospect defensive player, probably Alabama. Um, anyway, he's from Maryland. Let's say you're chase young. You're Chase Young. Are you flying, or you're Joe Burrow, either one. Are you getting on an airplane right now and flying? And again, you don't have to make a decision right now, but just, you know, if you were doing it right now, would you fly to Las Vegas to be part of the NFL draft?
1: Well, the NFL can't make these folks make this decision again. Once again.
0: James Winston skipped. He was the first overall pick. We knew it, and he skipped the draft for for no other reason than I don't want to be asked questions and be up on that stage, and my grandmother can't travel.
1: You, you don't you don't have to. Again, the draft is a fantastic thing where, uh, you know, I'm going to be there. We're going to be there. CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ. I hope that it goes off without a hitch and all this is taken care of. But like people don't have to gather for the NFL draft. This, again, can all be handled uh, with a select number of people. In a room together. We do not need to bring thousands upon thousands of people. Now, would that be a huge hit to Vegas? Yes. Would, uh, would it take away from the experiences of a Joe Burrow or a Chase Young who want to go do that? hundred percent. But again, like this can have, this is not the same as like, uh, the NCAA tournament being played without fans in an arena. Like, oh, uh, you know, that, that is what really sucks is that fans are going, are potentially going to be stripped of that, um, of, of that and as well as the players. The, playing the games is completely different but yeah just these events uh, uh, it, it doesn't really matter yeah uh, and,
0: and look I don't I'm not trying to make a scare out of it I just think with the news that came out in North Carolina there are 10 cases now um, with the Ivy League canceling their tournament and by the way Roy Cooper's he was like would you go to a sporting event he's like yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm going. Like, he's like, I'm not in the, the, the case of people who should be concerned, but I think it, it is something just to keep on our radar for the next month, eh, month and change. I mean, right. it's not, it's not that. I mean, like it's a few weeks, but it's not that long until the draft, until, uh, until the owner's meetings. Um, okay. Let's put it's, it's very short until free agency. It's going to start. Gosh, it's Wednesday, March 11th. It starts in one week. JJ
1: people. Allegedly. If they, if they don't move it again, which I, I, they can't move it, there's no other place to move it. It has to start.
0: Well, actually, let's, uh, Debo. Sorry, we're gonna we're gonna veer in, and let's get the schedule. Let's get the the, the timing of this put down first because I think that that is really important. So, because of the NFLPA vote, the timing of the franchise tag deadline has been moved to Monday at four thirty PM So that's Monday, March sixteenth. Excuse me, uh yes, and then on Wednesday at four PM, the new league year will begin. Since we're talking free agency, I just want people to know the the, the specifics of that. Um I, I we we said this on HQ on Monday. You, me and Pete Prisker were on there and uh I was trying not to, you know, call Pete out, but he was like, yeah, they might move the tag deadline to Saturday. You can't move the deadline to Saturday. It has to be a business day. Everyone, how many of you been covering the league for 30 years? You think you can do a tag <laughs> deadline on a Saturday? Um, the tag deadline will be now on Monday, um, which is huge. So the CBA vote is coming up.
1: Is Saturday at midnight, which the CBA vote among players can because this is not a league office. This is not a league thing. This is The league has already said yes. And so now this is players. So when you say that about the franchise tag deadline, that does not apply to the CBA vote among right. the players.
0: And all these players can simply just vote online,
1: right? and they most guess. of them reportedly already have.
0: Yes, and there was some buzz. I think that players wanted to. I think Dan Graziano of ESPN reported that the players wanted to, some players wanted to change their votes, and were being told, "No, you cannot change your vote. You've already voted." I mean, that's yeah, sure. sort of so how it that's,
1: works. That's, that's absolutely how it should work. And I think they were more inquiring about whether they could, instead of, hey, I want to change my vote. Yes. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, hey, the like the president's elected. You can't go back and change your vote. Okay. I mean, like that's that's in, in the case of JC Treader, he was elected. Um the NFL PA president so sorry, I'm kinda this coronavirus thing, has got me all worked up. It's intense yeah. around here. Yeah. I mean, if it
1: were closing in on me like a ham sandwich, I'd be a little concerned too.
0: I'm coming out of Charlotte, buddy.
1: Uh, please, please don't. <laughs> no, you aren't. We don't have any cases down here in Charlotte.
0: We were, uh, well, and all of the ones here actually stem from a conference that took place, a biogen conference that took place in Massachusetts.
1: I believe in Boston to be specific. So let's put the, the fault where it should go. Yeah.
0: So maybe we don't have the owners meetings in Boston. Um, maybe we don't do it at Gillette stadium. Uh, but yeah, so, um, the, uh, the, sorry, my mother, it got me all worked up. My mother-in-law called in the middle of this emergency press conference and my wife was like, oh my God, oh my God, she's going to be freaking out. And she was like, she just had no idea. She's like got other stuff on her mind. We're like, oh, cool. We dodged a bullet there. That's great. Um, now he's going to miss the Corona. So the franchise tag deadline, the vote for the CBA will be 11:59 PM on Saturday, March 12th. Is that Right.
1: Yes, it is. It is midnight
0: Saturday, midnight Saturday. At that point, there will be roughly 24 hours with which we can either realize that there's that there's no uh, March 14th. Excuse me, that there's no CBA done and they're going to go back and rework it. And we're just going to go into the new league year with the original rules set forth in the old CBA or the new CBA will be approved by the players and we will go forth with a new CBA and teams will have. I mean, we put 8 a.m., so eight hours, eight and a half hours, to make decisions on how to franchise franchise tax players on Monday. If the CBA, if the vote is no, they will have a franchise tag and a transition tag. If the vote is yes, they will just have a franchise tag. I think I got that all right. And, then at, 4 p- and then at 4 p.m. on Wednesday, the new league year will open, and in between that will be tampering. But this, JJ, this could set up to be the wildest 48 hours we've seen maybe since 2011 just to, it, except maybe when they first institute the, the tampering period, just because the tag, you're going to have people legally tampering at the same time as teams are maneuvering to put tags in place, which is very interesting for a team like, or not. Well,
1: no, 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 because the, the tag, so here's the timeline, is that it, it gets voted on Saturday at midnight. Theoretically, Sunday at, at 12.01 a.m., right, uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, we should know yes or no. And so then you have all of Sunday, and then you have until the the second before noon on Monday to tag your players.
0: Oh, so noon is the tag deadline on Monday.
1: Correct. Noon is okay. the tag deadline right. on Monday. Eleven fifty nine fifty nine is okay. the tag deadline on Monday. And then as soon as the clock strikes noon, that you can no longer tag anyone, and uh, legal tampering begins. And so you have one second, less than a second. Between the tag deadline and the legal tampering window. So okay. there will not that those two things. So there's will not no be actual
0: crossover. Concert. Okay, okay. So I mean, there I, is I, no I,
1: crossover, agree. but you do have, what is that, thirty-six hours to make the decision yes. on tagging.
0: But, yeah, but but it still certainly affects your planning because yeah. even though the legal tampering all right, look, here here's the most concrete concrete example I would give is that even though the legal tampering period is not open until noon. I mean, come on. Like you tell me, like, if the Titans are making a call on what they're going to do in their franchise tag, they're going to be in discussions with, like, they are going to, there's going to be some sort of chatter with Tom Brady throughout the, like, throughout the morning. Don't you agree?
1: Well, legally. Um, I, I would think if I'm the Titans, if I'm John Robinson and the rest of the Titans brass, I am getting as much sleep as I can Saturday afternoon because (laughs) I am probably not going to be able to get a 30-minute a nap in from midnight Saturday through, I mean, probably the next several days. Yeah. Um, and because, yes, right now they have three guys that they would potentially like to apply two tags to. And it is possible that they will only have one tag uh, available to them, and they will have 36 hours to decide who that goes to and how that's going to work out for their math and calculus while hoping to have some sort of back-channel dialogue with a Tom Brady uh, before the legal tampering window opens up or at least have some idea of it because the last thing you want to do is be caught with your pants down. Like in 2012 when, when Peyton Manning did his free agency tour and so many teams and I've, I've said this until I was blue in the face, but so many teams put their eggs into the Peyton Manning basket. The Arizona Cardinals put their eggs into the Peyton Manning basket. They had Dude, to extend Kevin tons Cobb. Of,
0: tons of guys got fired
1: because of that because right.
0: they missed. Yeah.
1: Right. Mark Sanchez got extended because the Jets were in it earlier and then they, they ended up having to you can go back and the, the the effects of that one singular decision had wide-ranging impacts for years to come. And that's what's absolutely going to happen with the Tennessee Titans. I have reported uh, – it was out at the combine that, like, ooh, they're going to – the Titans are going to work to get a long-term deal done with Ryan Tannehill quickly. And first of all, that didn't make any sense on a common-sense level. But then number two, my reporting had said that they're not – they're going to wait until – as late as they can – To apply the tag if they want to apply the tag because they are very legitimately into Tom Brady sweepstakes.
0: Yeah, and and so look, you a team like the Colts may say, you know what, we want to be in on Peyton. I mean, i skip on Peyton on uh, on on Tom Brady, but you know, we got this option with Philip Rivers here. We don't have to worry about burning a bridge. We don't have to worry about losing out on else on somebody else. You know, or or maybe Teddy Bridgewater, whoever it is. Um, and, and so. In that sense, teams are going to be working fast and furious behind the scenes to try and gauge what the sense for Tom Brady and these other quarterbacks will be. Like, if you're the Chargers, you've got a little wiggle room because you have Tyrod Taylor under contract. You know you can dig into the draft. You know there's some secondary options out there. But for a team like the Titans that doesn't know and won't know probably until midnight, until until the clock strikes Sunday, whether or not they have one or two tags, uh, it's going to be a very hairy couple of hours, and the same applies to the Dallas Cowboys. You know, they have, um, they will have, and you know, from Sunday Sunday at midnight when Sunday right. starts until Monday at noon Eastern to decide if they want to apply the franchise tag to Dak Prescott or if they have multiple tags and they want to use one on Amari Cooper, et cetera, et cetera. Which probably explains why they've ramped up their discussions with Dak Prescott. I, I would, I would, I would sense that that's a sign too. J.J., that we could be heading towards a yes vote.
1: Well, and so I, I think before your coronavirus mind kind of went into multiple different directions, Will, I think that we were going to talk about the J.C. Treder vote uh, at, as the NFLPA president and how that could signal – more than not, that this is trending to a yes vote. J.C. uh has come out. He has not publicly made a stance on this. He's kind of a public centrist, but there are some murmurs that he is a yes vote on this, and that would be buttressed, buttressed by the fact that Michael Thomas, uh the Giants representative who was backed by Russell Okun, uh, Richard Sherman, some other very prominent no votes of the CBA, that J.C. Treder gets this nomination. And so, uh, while we have all kind of felt that this is going to be a yes vote because of so many minimum salary guys and how that is the majority of the NFL, et cetera, et cetera, this kind of adds uh, another element to that that would make us believe, okay, yes. And then also that the NFL has been playing ball with the PA in terms of, hey, we'll let you extend your deadline because we ultimately think that this is going to be good for everyone, quote, unquote – Everything leads me uh, and a reasonable person, which I am, to believe that this is going to be a yes vote. Uh, and so because of that, yes, the Cowboys, and, uh, who are owned by Jerry Jones, who is more plugged into the NFL dealings and doings than anyone else in the world, um, he, uh, they very clearly believe, I, I believe, that they will only have one tag available to them. And it's very difficult for me to see how they're going to be able to pay Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, certainly not Byron Jones, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it, but the interesting thing is to see how these teams who have multiple tag options, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Jameis and, and, uh, Shaq, uh, Barrett with, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, with the Tennessee Titans. I think those are really the three teams that have multiple tag options, how they are approaching this.
0: Yeah. And, and JC Treader, um, as you pointed out, like, uh, and I, I i like i think the thing for me is so russell okung has been a very outspoken that, new carolina panthers uh left tackle russell okung recently traded uh for Trey turner in a very bizarre deal um if you have any insight into that feel free to offer it up no one else can figure out what's what the hell is going on with that um you got it yeah if uh oh, do you have insight oh yeah 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 no oh, uh, so on.
1: Um, this is a this was a move that was made by an organization that clearly does not have alignment from top to bottom on if they are going to win in 2020 and mm. beyond or not. This was also a move that was made by uh, a general manager and Marty Herney, who clearly values uh the left tackle uh, over uh, the guard who play whose play had declined over the past two years. No doubt at all about that. He went to five Pro Bowls, but uh, the Trey Turner of 2019 was not the Trey Turner of 2017. Um, and then uh, finally, I do think that there was um, – uh, I'm not entirely sure that Matt Rule was ever in love with Trey Turner. Mm. Um, and this is clearly a move. When you make a move like this, I think it does have to be signed off on by – uh, the head coach that you gave a seven year contract to that you're getting uh, rid yeah. of the young pro bowl talent. This is a move that has to be signed off on by Matt Rule. And I don't think that you sign off on this if you're Matt Rule having met Trey Turner maybe once or twice, unless you feel a certain way about, uh, Trey Turner. So all of those reasons are why that doesn't necessarily have to make sense. Uh, you can disagree with that if you're a football fan, especially if you're a Panther fan. And I understand, but that's, that's the reasoning.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So anyway, Russell Okung, New Panther, is one of the guys who was up for election for NFLPA president. He has been an outspoken critic of the new CBA. Um he but he I think he withdrew his name from the the uh the from the running, right? He did. Or did he he withdrew his name from the running? And so JC Treader elected to be the next uh, president of the NFLPA following Eric Winston. I think we would both agree that Russell Okung withdrawing his name and J.C. Treder winning is a p- potential sign that this deal will get voted, that the yes vote will come through. Because if it looked like the no vote was going to come in, like it doesn't make any sense for Russell Okung to be the NFLPA president in a year beginning with a, a new CBA. Like that, that, everyone just voted yes to that he was vehemently opposed, right? Like, right. It, like it, it wouldn't make any sense for him to carry on and to try to win that election if he thought he was going to be – like you're not, you know what I mean. Like you're not.
1: Well, and he also kind of had the the hail mary uh, suit against the PA, saying that they were negotiating in bad faith, and that came a day before. Of course, he removed his name from consideration as you or as NFLPA president, and then put the weight of his support behind Michael Thomas. And so that that he won, uh, kind of had what could be uh, viewed as a last ditch effort to to throw a wrench into this. That that ultimately did not work out uh, on Monday, that he removed himself from president on Tuesday, that the guy that he supported did not win on Tuesday, that a guy who is at least at the very least a centrist and probably a yes vote did get voted in by uh, a majority of the player reps. Would all of those things would indicate um or I'm not going to say it indicates a yes vote, but it it makes you lean more likely than not to a yes vote.
0: Yes, I, I would, I think the signs are leaning towards a yes vote. So if that happens, that's the schedule. Free agency, regardless of, of, of yes or no vote is going to start March 16th. Is that right? I keep getting my dates messed up. March 16th at 4 p.m. Um, and, uh, and, and the insanity will begin. Is it 18th? Is it the 18th? It's the 18th.
1: It's the 18th. We, March 18th. Legal tampering is noon on the 16th. Free agency begins in earnest Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern on the 18th.
0: See, this is what happens when you record a podcast the day before, and you're trying to do this, like you're adding seven. You're like, that doesn't make sense. It's going to be like, I'm like doing math in my head. So, yes, 14th CBA vote, 16th franchise tag window at noon, 18th NFL year begins at 4 p.m. and free agency is open. And in between the 16th and the 18th, we have legal tampering. Uh, Marshall Yonda retiring. Ooh, eight Pro Bowls, two time first team All Pro, five time second team All Pro, 166 career starts. I have two questions for you, JJ. One, is Marshall Yonda a Hall of Famer? And two, are the Ravens sort of screwed right now?
1: Uh, number one, yes, he is a Hall of Famer. First ballot, I probably not just because I see the glut of fantastic Uh, offensive lineman interior and, uh, tackles. It's
0: it's probably all about timing for first ballot. He could, if, he could easily be a first ballot Hall of Famer if he's like the top, you know what I mean? Like if he's the top, it depends on when these quarterbacks retire and and who's left sitting out there.
1: Uh, It it does, but then also like it, it it also depends, like Troy Palomalu was the only obvious first ballot Hall of Famer as a first timer this past year, right? And then it was all kind of viewed as, okay, let's get these other guys in. Let's take care of them. And so I don't know if Marshall Yanda, again, being an interior offensive lineman, if there's if there's really ever going to be the opportunity to, to be a first ballot Hall of Famer uh in this era of football with all of the numbers that are that are going to be coming out. Um so that's number one. But he does deserve his place in Canton and hopefully he does not have to wait too long. Um and then as far as if the Ravens are screwed or not, according to my sources, uh they all knew Throughout the entire 2019 season, that it was very, very possible that this was Marshall Yonda's last ride. So you would have to assume that the Ravens led by Eric DaCosta with Ozzie Newsom still in that front office, that they clearly were planning some sort of contingency for what happened today. I was further told, uh, recently, uh, by, by a source that, uh, that the Ravens knew for sure shortly after the Super Bowl. Mm. And so this was not news to them today, uh, even though the news finally came out. This has as, as long been expected, but they at least have known for certain um, for a, a number of weeks, several weeks. And so, yes, the plans, the, the wheels have been in motion. What they're going to do, I'm not entirely sure about, but they were not caught off guard by any means by this announcement. Uh,
0: additionally, the Hall of Fame game, August 6th. Will feature the Steelers and the Cowboys. What a matchup. Of course, Jimmy John uh, Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cower, our colleague, uh will be going in as the you know, former Steelers coach, former Cowboys coach, and Troy Polamalu, who you mentioned, first ballot hall of favor, all time great Steelers player, will be in that class. Can I mean can you imagine a better matchup for ratings and drawing people uh to Canton in August than this uh the Steel City? Dallas, you know, America's team matchup?
1: Uh, I cannot. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun from a, uh, if you're going to be in Canton, I think that's going to be really fantastic. If you're going to watch it, I'm very sorry. Uh, I was I was there physically last year. Um, I could not have been more bored in the press box. <laughs> and uh, really, it's going to start that game probably with a Cooper Rush versus Mason Rudolph.
0: Yes. It is uh Dak And it's Prescott. only going to get
1: worse from there. Yes.
0: And Dak I mean Dak Prescott may not even have a contract at that point. <laughs> he might. He might not. He might be holding out. There could be da- tons of Dak business. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna see yeah. um I don't think you're gonna see uh any Dak Prescott or uh any Ben Roethlisberger. The Panthers brought back Kyle Allen on a one year deal. And do you think there's a chance that the Panthers signed Philip Walker? From the uh, Houston Roughnecks of the XFL? Um, he played it. At, at, uh, at Temple, right? He did play at Temple. Yeah, he played at Temple under Matt Rule, I believe.
1: I Ten know. I, yeah, yeah. I didn't watch a ton of XFL this past week, but the times I did see him, he had one interception. One of his first passes, which was terribly underthrown should have been no. picked, uh, was dropped. I think he threw a pick shortly thereafter. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, uh, with that position at this point uh, with re-signing Kyle Allen, which I understand why. And it's honestly, there, there's no reason not to, um, and that doesn't mean that he's even going to be on the roster come uh, September 10th. Uh, but now they have three quarterbacks under contract. I'm not sure you have to bring on a Phillip Walker or really anyone else at this moment. Um, Priority number one is seeing how and when Cam Newton can get healthy. Sure. Uh, and and from there, everything will flow.
0: Yeah, uh, according to Ian Rappaport, $585,000 one-year contracts. So not exactly a – again, they certainly not guaranteed a roster spot should the Panthers decide to make a play in the draft or even get splashy in free agency. Um And, look, my theory all along has been that they're going to roll with Kyle Allen and Will Greer, trade Cam, and just stink the joint up and be like yeah hey, we gave Greer a shot to see what he had uh, one more notable piece of news Christian Kirksey released by the browns bit of a surprise he missed a uh, a bunch of time last year due to being on injured reserve uh, but he was a he's been a really good player for them at various points of his career was on the the browns for the last six years of course they have a new uh, new coaching staff new front office so maybe not an entirely uh huge surprise especially if they don't believe he's healthy and then they had uh Mac Wilson come in as a 2019 draft pick any thoughts on Christian Kirksey
1: uh no thoughts easy to uh get uh that extra cap space yeah you yep. have the new you have the new staff in there uh easy to move on and go about your business wash your hands
0: yeah oh and the uh the the Texans signed Kaimi Fairbane. huge news in kicker land. So that's uh oh, you got to make sure you cover that. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Jonathan and I will tell you who the top available free agent wide receivers are, which would have AJ Green, Omari Cooper. Maybe we'll bring on John breach for an emergency Fairbane podcast as well. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of new balance, clutch athletics and rich Paul. We mentioned earlier in the show, March 18th, 4 p.m., teams can actually announce signings or proceed with signings. And the wide receiver class is fascinating, J.J., because I, I think mostly because it sort of matches up with the draft class. This is a loaded wide receiver draft class. I mean, studs and studs and studs. And nobody that's, like, necessary. I, I, like, I tend to think CV Lamb and Jerry Judy can be, I don't want to call them, like, Julio Jones, A.J. Green types, because that, I think that does a disservice to really any young player coming to the league to, to compare them to a borderline Hall of Julio will definitely be the Hall of Fame, AJ, borderline Hall of Fame, to compare them to that type of player. Uh, but there's a great group of guys um, who look like they can be viable starters in the NFL out of the gate. Uh, however... They will have to compete with teams who are sign- – te- teams will have to decide do they want to draft somebody like that or do they want to sign somebody like A.J. Green should he make it to free agency. Um, let's go through your top five wide receivers. Who's at number five?
1: Number five. Number Randall. five, I have Randall <laughs> Cobb. Yeah, sorry. I had, no. I had to remember who it was. Uh, number five, I have Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, of course, coming off that season – with the Cowboys, really difficult to see how they're going to be able to pay him. Uh, and so as I was going through this, and I, I thought to myself, well, I thought, where could he end up? In fact, I didn't think that to myself. Debo asked me where he could end up, and I would have to tell you on here. And so I'm going to tell you um, that I'm looking at an Indianapolis Colts, a team that was really struggling to throw the ball down the field last year. Now, a lot of that had to do, of course, with Jacoby Brissett. I understand that, but I have never really been impressed with the wide receiving group that the Colts have. Of course, they thought that they were going to have a few more options. Uh, that did not work out with Devin Funches, who dealt with injury for most of the season. So Randall Cobb, he's going to turn 30 before next season. He's had nine NFL seasons. He uh, had 800-plus receiving yards last year. I like him with the Colts and whoever their quarterback could be.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. The question is, would you rather have a guy like Randall Cobb who bounced back nicely, who fits with the perfect slot style of uh of the modern NFL. You got three wide receiver sets, et cetera, et cetera. He can win outside in, in some cases, he might be too old for that now. He's gonna be thirty before the season starts. Or would you rather dabble in the Brashad Perryman sweepstakes? And uh I might be inclined to agree with you. I, I like the Brashad Perryman thing freaks me out. Like what like, do you really like this guy like Ozzie Newsome couldn't get this guy right? And you're telling me that now, like, Jameis Winston fixed him? I don't know if I'm buying into that entirely.
1: I would I would run away from Bashad Perriman. Um he, he might be a fantastic human being, but in terms of on the field play, I think that it was a flash in the pan, how he sort of came on there in November and December for the Bucks. Uh certainly, you know, Jameis with uh the five thousand passing yards sort of inflated his six hundred and forty five uh receiving yards, Perriman. I just – he's had issues for most of his career, and I'm not willing to take a few weeks from last season and think that he's turned a corner.
0: I kind of tend to agree with you. I wouldn't be opposed to like a one-year, not-too-pricey deal with Brashad Perryman, but I would not want to make some big free agency splash on that guy uh, given what's out there. It is interesting, too, that this class offers a lot of slot options, like Geronimo Allison is there, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Philip Dorsett. Um, you can, uh, you know, Devin Funches maybe didn't make the cut for you, JJ. No surprise there. He's more of a tight end, not a slot guy. Um, but then, uh, also Demarcus Robinson, who is very effective in Kansas City system. I think there's a lot of speed slot guys out there. So if I were, if I were a general manager, what I would do is probably let the top of the market, you know, do their own thing because I don't want to overpay for top of the market. I would then sign a slot if I got a young quarterback here, I would sign a a slot guy in free agency at a lower cost and then go out and get my number one in theory in the in the draft, so that's probably why those guys didn't make the top five and I would tend to agree with you who's your number four on this list?
1: Number four I have Robbie Anderson mm, coming off, love him love him coming off that season with the New York jets uh my best fit for him is the New York Jets. Uh, because gosh, they really, if they lose him, I don't know what they're going to do at the receiver position. They absolutely have to upgrade even by keeping him. They need to upgrade. I know they got to upgrade that offensive line as well, but 779 receiving yards last season. Uh, he'll be 27 this upcoming year. If enough teams and, and if the Jets want to mess around with this, if Joe Douglas wants to mess around with this, and I know he has been, uh, in conversations with, uh, with Robbie Anderson's representation. If some teams get involved here and this isn't taken care of, uh, you know, at the very start of the legal tampering window or before the price could go up on Robbie Anderson because of his age, because of his speed, because of what he did last season. And then you can start approaching 14, 15 million dollars per year. I think the Jets absolutely have to knock this out early. And if they mess this up in some way, if they decide not to bring him back, I'm looking at a place that he could go to. I'm looking at the Philadelphia Eagles who Ooh. obviously could always use uh an upgrade there. Um I, I'd be interested to see there may be some overlap there, but the Eagles obviously need help at wide receiver, but I hope Robbie Anderson's back with the Jets.
0: I don't I yeah, I I, I kinda like that idea and I do think there's a little bit of like I don't want to say Deshaun Jackson to his game. That's an insult to Deshaun Jackson. No one's as fast as Deshaun Jackson. Right. But Robbie Anderson could be more of a he's, – he's more of a – like he's a bigger body type of guy, but who also possesses that deep speed that might be complementary for the other pieces that the Eagles have. So I don't hate that idea. Even though I don't know if Howie Roseman takes a deep dive in free agency, but he's got cast to burn. So maybe it happens. A man. Oh, you know what? I was going to ask you your number three is, and then I started to say it. Emmanuel Sanders is your third wide out.
1: He is my third wide out, and it's really just because of age. He's going to turn 33. Where do I have him? He obviously is not going to be in San Francisco. I initially told Debo the Carolina Panthers, and I said the Carolina Panthers because I'm not entirely sure the Panthers are convinced. I know Steve Smith is not convinced that they have a number one wide receiver. They have D.J. Moore. They have Curtis Samuel. You hope that D.J. Moore is going to be that, but what they seem to be lacking is that fantastic veteran presence in there. And after I spent a lot of time, Will, in the month of January with the San Francisco 49ers covering their postseason games, what I learned from Debo Samuel, from a Kendrick Bourne, was just how much Emmanuel Sanders meant to those guys, those that young group of players coming up, and how they were able to really improve their game early in their career after the trade for Emmanuel Sanders that San Francisco did. So I look at a team like the Carolina Panthers, and I say, oh, those young guys could really benefit from a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. However, Emmanuel Sanders is kind of like Andre Igodala in, in that like he only should and probably only wants to play for a championship contender, right? <laughs> he's been, he's been with the Broncos, just went to another Super Bowl. And so we're talking about contenders. We're talking about teams that need wide receivers. Mm. Well, the New England Patriots <laughs> yeah. as they are trying to retain Tom Brady. That would be a fantastic gift to Tom Brady if Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick said, "Hey, we got you, Emmanuel Sanders, and we got you this two or three-year contract to finally finish your career in New England." What you say, Tommy? No,
0: I, that's a great call. I think if you're the Patriots, and this is the delicate line that they have to sort of walk with Tom Brady, is can you go out into the like once we get to that noon at noon at uh to eleven fifty nine fifty nine on Monday, can the Patriots manage in the span of about? Uh, let's see, 12, 36 hours? Yeah, let's say say 48 hours. So 52 hours is probably right. In 52 hours, can they manage to tamper their way into landing somebody like Emmanuel (laughs) Sanders, somebody like Hunter Henry, and then successfully, like, convince Tom Brady to return if that's what they ultimately want their plan to be? And if it is, I think that could be, you know, I mean, like, that's, that's certainly a blueprint to having Tom Brady back in New England, but I think you're going to have to get guys. You got to just beef up the receiving core for him. If you want him to come back in my opinion. All right. The last two guys in this list, I think are going to be the same for everybody. You could flip them if you wanted to, uh, depending on your opinion of home and away splits for one guy and, and age for the other guy. Uh, number two guy though, AJ Green and number one guy, Amari Cooper. I'd be, st- I mean, these are, there, first of all, there's a chance neither guy makes it to free agency. Amari Cooper could get transition, franchise tagged or transition tagged depending on the CBA, depending on what happens with Dak Prescott's contract. AJ Green, it does sound like the Bengals will franchise tag him, but if he throws a fit and says he's going to refuse to play for him, then maybe that doesn't happen. Uh, what led you to stack these guys in this particular way, JJ?
1: Yeah, so I have AJ Green, uh, at number two only because of age and injury concerns that uh, he has missed something like 24 of the past 25 games that the Bengals have played due to injury. Uh, so that is my issue with him. Amari Cooper, uh, last we saw him, was not getting the ball thrown as much his way as he should have, uh, certainly against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I, I felt that uh, he, he still has it. Obviously, he's young. Uh, much younger than A.J. Green, who I believe is uh, turning 32 this year. Amari Cooper is currently 25. He will be 26 before the start of the season. So um, if A.J. Green were healthy, he would be my number one with a bullet, no doubt about it. I'm concerned about his health. And then uh, so in terms of fits, right, uh, we believe that A.J. Green is going to be with the Bengals. They will extend the franchise tag. Uh, if they do not, then I think that we can reignite the does Joe Burrow want to go to Cincinnati rumors. Um, and so just for the sake of argument, I threw the Raiders in there as a potential mm. landing spot for A.J. Green. But, of course, I'm not putting too much effort into A.J. Green out to one of the 31 other teams. He's going to Cincinnati. Um, as far as Amari Cooper, um, I have no idea how the San Francisco 49ers would do it in terms of contract and money. Uh, but I have Cooper going to the 49ers uh if he does not end up with the Cowboys but again they the Cowboys should do everything that they can to keep Amari Cooper they traded a first round pick for him it made a lot of sense uh, not not immediately when they made the the trade for him right and I'll raise my hand and I absolutely said oh no, no
0: I I ripped it apart it was like you're yeah. you're idiots why did you trade for Amari Cooper I will actually and then I flipped and said the Cowboys did the smart thing and traded for Amari Cooper and I, actually, I may have, I may have ripped everybody on both sides of this deal at one various point. I'm going to go back to ripping the Cowboys and they let him walk after trading a first round pick for him.
1: That's absolutely right. Uh, you traded a first rounder for him. You got to keep him in house. You knew you were going to have to pay him at some point. You tried to kick that can down the road. You're now at the end of the road and here's the can. So you're at the curb. Do something. And, and
0: again, not to harp on this because I talked about it at length yesterday with the super friends pod, but like, you could have signed Dak last offseason and then you wouldn't have this problem with Amari Cooper. Like Amari Cooper wasn't going to sign because he wanted to see free agency and he saw the timing of the Dak stuff. I get it. He's a chill dude. He, like he, he's been traded now in, on his rookie contract. He's not, he's not trying to deal with that. Uh, to me, the, there's some red flags with Amari Cooper, including his home and away splits. He doesn't play well on the road for whatever reason. And the fact that two teams are going to actively like let him go before the age of 26 is a little concerning. Like if this were the, if this were the dating market and you were, and you were like, ah, this very attractive person is, uh, has already been like, why did they let it, the, they, they,
1: they dumped her, dumped her. Like what? Like, they well, dumped the, her? yeah. But I mean, one was, one was the Raiders. Yeah. And then the other, if this happens again, I think we would all understand that the Cowboys had some sort of cap issue where they just could not get uh, creative enough. Uh, as our colleague and pal Jason LaConfora has pointed out, uh, it's cash, not cap. And so I'm not going to say they don't have the cash to do it. They do have cap issues that they clearly do not want to get creative enough to necessarily figure out. I was also told back uh, – I was told recently that back in September when they did offer Dak Prescott that deal that was reportedly an average of $33 million per year – that it was sort of a take it or leave it, that there was very little wiggle room involved, that the structure of that deal uh, was not very advantageous to a young quarterback. And so, um, you know, the Cowboys, multiple times, in my opinion, and in, in the opinion of a lot of people, have shot themselves in the foot. You yep. cannot screw up the franchise quarterback. You clearly got him. You got him on a on a cost-controlled deal cheaper than than anyone else for three years. You got to pay him.
0: And you, by the way, you didn't win uh, didn't win anything big in those 3 years where you had him or 4 years where you had him for Dak's case. I like the 49ers call. I think that's a sneaky landing spot for Amari Cooper when we when you look at what Kyle Shanahan's done with true like A1 alpha wide receivers, they put up monster numbers. You saw it with Julio, you've seen it elsewhere, Pierre Garçon even in Washington. So I dig that call. My tight end rankings is just my top 3. Um I don't know Help me break the tie here because I'm sort of twisted up in a knot between Jacob Hollister, Blake Jarwin, and Tyler Eifert. Those would be the two guys that would vie for the number three spot here. Uh, Hollister has, you know, flashed some, uh, with Seattle. I would probably lean Hollister. I just, cause I think that he's, he's like Jarwin showed up, like some athleticism with the Cowboys and that's great. Uh, Ebron, I know had that big touchdown season with the cat with the Colts. I'm not really. Uh, into any of those guys in terms of a in terms of paying up, but I think you get a decent secondary option. You know, you need to have good wide receivers if you are going to try to bring one of these guys in and lean on. Like, you don't want to have to bring one of these guys in and lean on them as your top receiving option. Uh, and and Witten could Witten go to the Giants? Witten is Witten's Witten's going to catch like he's going to catch like forty two passes for six yards before falling down.
1: <laughs> I like Hollister on at number three among those guys. All
0: right. I would, I would agree with that too. And then, uh, look, I'm, uh, I'm not opposed to Austin Hooper at number one, but I'm going to put Austin Hooper at number two. I think he's a <laughs> little, I think he's a little less complete than Hunter Henry in terms of what he can do. And to me, if I'm signing a free agent who either played with the Los Angeles Chargers or played with the Washington Redskins, I'm not looking at it as, Those guys are injury prone. I'm looking at it as... Those guys have been working with medical staffs that apparently can't keep people healthy. And if they come here, they're going to play 16 games, and we're going to be in good shape. Um, Henry, for me, is the number one here. I like Hooper a lot. I think he's a really good receiving tight end. I don't necessarily think he's going to you're going to put him in line quite as much. Henry, I just think is it can be a red zone monster and just a prototypical modern tight end, but just has to play 16 games. And I think maybe Henry more than Hooper, you can make the focal point of the offense.
1: I agree with that. Again, it's the same thing with AJ Green and Amari Cooper sure, for me. Sure it's, it's just, yeah, you, I, I know that, that Austin Hooper, or at least I believe that Austin Hooper is going to be more available for me and my football team than Hunter Henry. And I hear everything that you're saying. This is just, it comes down to, to a philosophy for me. Uh, this is a guy in Hunter, or excuse me, and Austin Hooper, missed two games in his rookie season, missed three games last year, sandwiched in between there are two full 16 game seasons and Every year, he has gotten better. Uh, each year, he has increased uh, his total yards. Uh, he's increased his receiving touchdowns. He's been a bigger factor. He's learned uh, various different offenses with what is, what, three different offensive coordinators at this point with the Atlanta Falcons. And he has still uh, done a fantastic job throughout the years, along with having – an amazing wide receiver core around him and still getting his with Julio Jones, with Calvin Ridley, with Mohamed Sanu uh, more than not over the last couple of years. And so because of all of those things, uh, and especially because of the help, I would have Austin Hooper at number one, who, according to my sources, there are going to be about four teams in the mix mm-hmm. for him. Uh, right now, the Green Bay Packers, I don't want to call them the leaders in the clubhouse, but – Uh, They have certainly made a push for him. And I would believe that the floor for Austin Hooper's contract, which could be around a four year deal, would probably be somewhere in between 10 and 11 million dollars per year. And then you just got to see once this turns into an auction, how high that price can go.
0: Interesting. I like to hear that. I mean, that's good for him. Packers would be a very good landing spot for him. I think when you look at Green Bay, uh, one of the things that they miss is that secondary option for Aaron Rodgers behind Devontae Adams. Jimmy Graham wasn't ever going to be it when they signed signed him. We should have known that. He's going to be let go, maybe retire. And Hooper would be a really nice fit there because you could utilize him in the running game and then with the Matt Lafleur rollout system that comes from the Kyle Shanahan stuff, you get Rodgers bootlegging, you get Hooper flowing across the field. It makes a lot of sense. Open things up for Devontae Adams. So I. I dig that. Uh, Hunter Henry, and I think I think this will apply for Hooper, too, but I think Hooper would be more exp- too expensive. Hunter Henry makes so much sense if he's not franchise-tagged for the New England Patriots.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. Perfect, You like, made that point earlier, and you're right. Yeah.
0: yeah, like, Emmanuel Sanders and Hunter Henry, and Hunter Henry's going to catch 14 touchdowns next year and like 785 receiving yards and have a breakout season, be really healthy, and be Tom Brady's best friend, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then the Chargers are like, I can't believe he didn't work for us. It's so weird how it doesn't happen. And you're like, yeah, it's crazy. It just keeps not happening for you guys, Chargers. Um, all right, that's it for this show, unless you have another landing spot for Hunter Henry, which you want.
1: Nope, that's it. Love it.
0: Okay. Uh, anybody else that's going to be in on the tight end market, by the way? Packers, Patriots?
1: Yeah, those are the two, you know, top dogs, right?
0: Okay. Uh, coming up later this week, we'll do uh, more free agent rankings. We'll have offensive line chatter. Maybe we're on Pete Prisker for that defensive line chatter. Of course, new secondary linebackers as well. Moving right along as we get towards next week, JJ, always fun to talk to you, buddy.
1: Talk to you soon. You it. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA champions league 24 seven. The UEFA champions league channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.